Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Today y Manana. Happy New Year. I'm Alex. This is Xavier. We're really excited to have you joining us this morning. I think Nick will be, uh, if he's not already on screen, our guest yeah, today yeah. is... Uh, it's Nick Irby. Nick Irby. He's oh, going to be joining us. The, the CMO today. of Emerging <laughs> Financial Services, among his many other roles, our, our financial planner, financial our planner. budget guru. Budget guru. When did that happen? You this know, year. Because, this year. Like, just when did that. I get a promotion? <laughs> I, I had budget some guru. New, some new names. Yeah. You help a lot of our people with the. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of budgets. I can see I put that on my resume. <laughs> After if emerging something was emerging, I'm going. Hey, I'm a budget, budget guru. guru. Among many other things, he has many talents. So we're glad to have him uh, joining us this morning. It's a uh, it's a chilly morning. Oh, it's a perfect day for it's, it's a perfect day for a cafe con leche. Get a nice, nice warm one. one. You know, get nice and cozy uh, soon. If not this week, maybe next week. You can go to the new Guajiros location. I was thinking about that. Right, on, uh, so it's on next week. Tenth Street. I think everyone's former. been thinking about that. Yeah, so you can go there and uh, get a nice warm cafe con leche if you really need a little. Do they still have the pastelitos? I'm sure there's uh, the pastelitos. We'll see. They might even read. I I think there was a hint that they might add to the menu or change it up a little bit or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what they have. Absolutely. So it's a good day to get nice and cozy, get into your uh, warm a warm place and watch some today, Imanyana, and learn some things. Every time I'm on with the day, I learn all the time. I feel like I learn. I feel like I learn some things. So it's a perfect day for that. Of course, thanks to Emergent Financial Services for always presenting. Uh, the show, and thanks to our fantastic partners, Craddock Serious Insurance, Castle Sire, Matias Zion Realty, and all the great partners that we have on the show. So we really appreciate uh, everything that they do. So, so we don't forget, we have to say, Feliz Año Nuevo. Feliz right? Año Nuevo. That's the mañana part. Nuevo. You know, absolutely. Yeah, today, mañana, mañana. Have, you can still say Feliz Navidad. I am a true that believer true. Yeah. in the 12 days of Christmas absolutely. and That's... the season of Christmas. If you ask me, we should go back to medieval times where it was eight weeks long. I think that would be the <laughs> Starting point. December 25th. Starting though. December 25th. Yeah. So yeah. From December yeah. 25th, it was eight weeks of Christmas season. Well, because I will mention that Alex is very upset because the other day he, I asked him, do you want me to pick up you anything at the store? And he, he said, said a bottle of eggnog, you know, because it's still me? Christmas, you know. I could not find a bottle of eggnog anywhere. It was anywhere. January 2nd. It was January yes, two days ago. Disgrace. That, um, I, I felt like doing a, a diatribe, a rant on air about the Charlottesville uh, food, lack like of grocery Christmas stores, spirit. lack of Christmas spirit, that on January, January 2nd, 2nd no there was no eggnog. During the Christmas season, you cannot get eggnog. There should be eggnog. But at during least, Advent, you could have as much as you want. Yeah, at least you got to give me to like, Halfway through January, you gotta yeah. have some eggnog on the on the shelf. You know, what I mean, I don't expect everyone to go till February second, but you gotta give at least to January sixth, three Kings Day, three Kings Day, exactly. I mean, three yeah. Kings Day, you gotta have some the twelve days of Christmas. If you count yeah. it out, December twenty fifth, December twenty fifth to January sixth. So you, but what do we? You were looking, ladies and gentlemen, so, an eggnogless man. I really felt <laughs> like bringing my Santa hat to the set today in protest. Like I am, I am going to <laughs> that's counteract. That's well, I'm going to counteract the grinchiness with like <laughs> with, complete, with, with extra Christmas. Yeah, spirit. absurd Christmas spirit on <laughs> January fourth. Uh, still, Christmas spirit is not absurd. Or yeah, you can be. you can practice a Christmas spirit. Yeah, exactly. Else yeah. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. A couple shout Start outs. A new trend. Exactly. That's what I think we should do. We got uh, we got Elizabeth Erpy, Doctor Elizabeth Erpy, watching the show this morning. Thanks for watching. My favorite. Uh, your Elizabeth favorite. Erpy, no favorite, offense. And your favorite one. doctor. And my favorite doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so it's perfect. It's a, it's a double. <laughs> 
right there. So, uh, yeah, so, but still, Merry Christmas. I hope everyone still had a wonderful time and is still enjoying time with family and friends as we start the new year. Yeah, although we were, actually, uh, Michael and I were talking, uh, I think it was uh, on Tuesday, right, when we went to work, and it's like there was nobody on the road. I mean, and today, we couldn't even get out of our spot. It's like cars everywhere. It's like, you just tell people still coming back from wherever they went mm-hmm. to, the second and the third, and boom. That's kind of It nice. just feels like they're back now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, what I was doing, I was doing uh, food shopping on the 22nd, and like, nobody was on the road. It was, it was funny. It was, like, crazy. Yeah. Especially we- in the morning, that I drove uh, my wife to the uh, hospital where she works, and, like, Normally, it's a traffic right, at that right. time. Nothing. We got all the way there without a single light, having to miss a single light. Wow. And I was like, wow. That's Everybody took, started, off, started taking off. But now it's back to normal. You back to normal. Of, kind of feel it. But it's a new year, which, uh, as G.K. Chesterton used to write, that it, a new year is good not because we need a new year, but because we need a new you. A new soul, I think. A new soul. A new soul. Okay. So it's an opportunity. Well, that's like I said. It's it's a new chapter, right? And you just flip. It's a new chapter. Exactly. To have a new chapter of your life. It's good to remember the past, but you can't live in it. Exactly. Exactly. As the great Gatsby once said, of course you can. What? What did the great Gatsby say? The Gatsby for the great Gatsby said, of course you can. Because that ended well for him. No, no, it didn't. Yeah, do not try to start a new That's why I don't practice that. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you don't want to end up You could always Gatsby. make a random... It's like the quote from Shakespeare, like, some have greatness thrust upon them. Like, I hate it when people use that quote to be inspiring because in terms of the actual play, it's like a joke. It's like a diversion to get, like, the foolish character to do what they want. He ends up going on some sort of, like, wild goose chase. It ends up, like, being, like, totally, like, t- you know, distraught and everything and loses everything. And I'm like, why would you quote that? Like, it, it leads to the people. People that quote, you haven't actually read I was going to say, yeah, the people that quote that never read the play. Yeah, but it's like it leads you to disaster. I'm like, I wouldn't want that. Exactly. So you always got to be careful with Shakespeare. You got to be careful with any quote you use that it's not taken like out of, of context. context yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. I think I just turned That didn't myself. end well. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of new beginnings, we like to sometimes do this show at the beginning of the year where we kind of talk about... Well, a little bit what happened last year, a little bit what we're seeing for next year, because I think you know this is the time of year where everyone, well, I mean, we've probably already fielded a couple of questions like, so what do you think is going to happen to the markets in 2024? It's like, okay, <laughs> uh, we're like four days in. All right, let's, uh, I haven't gotten that part of my magic crystal ball. Uh, you know, I haven't yet trained my, my prophetic powers to see uh, this time of year, but I know Xavier has some charts he brought with him. You should see, it's the same something they can't see like in front of Xavier. He looks like so... Yeah, I mean, I really usually don't do this, but I realize it's, I, I just can't, I don't memorize things as I used to anymore, so it's like, I before I start it. saying something that's untruth, I might as well, <laughs> might as well back it up with information that I know is here. Well, I love too, but you know, I always share the, my chart the, with you, but then you never share any of your charts with us. Well, somebody's got to know something. You know? Yeah, I mean, I got to be special somehow. You got to hold the ace. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is, you know, I always say to myself, you know, we, we measure the markets from January to December, right? And in reality, we shouldn't do that, right? Because that's mm-hmm. not really, the key isn't, okay, at December 31st, market's over, what do we do now? Yeah. The, the fact is, the markets change on a daily basis, right? And on a monthly basis, a quarterly basis, there are times that there are things to do because events have occurred during the year 
that make it important for you to revisit where you are and, and are there any changes, whether mm-hmm. it be structural, tactical, or whatever you want to call them, right? However, you know, it's, 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 it's the era we live in where we do kind of review what happened in 2023 and, you know, what do we think is going to go on in 2024 and, and you know, how does that impact what we do and, and mm-hmm. what we view as, as opportunities, you know, both in the marketplace and in other, you know, op- you know, other situations. So, so it's nice to, you know, and everybody writes about it, so it's nice truly to review what happened. And, and I just found... I just found 2023 to be an interesting year because I don't think, you know, and, and I remember coming into 2023, I think there was a lot of negative aura around what was going to happen in 2023, right? Um, one, the Fed was, had just race rates dramatically. They were still racing rates, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And, you know, how are those rates going to impact both consumers, companies, corporations, et cetera, right? And I think the feeling was that if if the treasury was still going to, you know, create some, I mean, the debt was so high and they were still going to fund it by borrowing, how was that going to also impact the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. And I think all these questions were there at the beginning of 2023. And the expectation, if you look back historically, is that, you know, all that, to a certain respect, is negative. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we're going to it have... It adds up to recession. Exactly. Recession or, you know, we're going to have a slow, in the, a slow a slower economy. Or we're going to have the situation where some markets are going to be in distress, right? But none of that happened, right? And so you sit back and you go, well, why didn't it happen? And, and the, the beauty of what we do, so I say, you know, you learn every day. And, yeah. and, and, it, and, you know, it's always good to know history, but history doesn't always repeat itself. And two... Sometimes it repeats itself, but not in the same fashion, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So we can't always say it's like, you know, everybody says, oh, I think we're going to have another 2008. Well, we're not. We're never going to have another 2008 the same way we mm-hmm. had 2008. It's yeah. just not going to happen. It might resemble 2008 in some it, ways. It might yeah. have there may be another never... black swan, but it'll be a different, yeah. you know, it won't be the same black swan. Exactly. Right? And so that's what you're always kind of preparing for saying, how do I make sure that if something truly, you know, Something you can't predict happens, uh, we protect it, right? Mm-hmm. But just to go back to 2023, right? So I think there was three things that, that all of us, you know, and, and especially most economists, didn't figure out. One, one was the strength of the consumer. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. unbelievable. The economy basically stayed strong because of the consumer. Well, just remember, what is it, 70% of GDP is consumer yes, spending. Exactly. So basically, you, you could make the argument that as consumer spending goes, I mean, barring a complete collapse, because it's consumer spending, government spending, business investment, and basically imports, exports minus imports, basically. Right. In other words, are we selling more to the world than we're buying from the world, right? A, barring a complete collapse in the other three, so government spending ain't collapsing anytime soon, right? That's right. Barring a complete collapse in business investment or a complete collapse in exports, right? As the consumer goes, so goes the sure. So if, goes the the economy. if the consumer goes, and exports, I mean, imports probably do very well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a you know, it's one of those things where it's you know, if the consumer does well, the economy does well in general because companies have to sell things to the consumer, so they're doing well, right? Exactly. Um, but the one thing that was highlighted uh, in one of the articles I read was that back in. I think it was August of 2021, 
the consumer had an excess cash of $2.1 trillion, right? Oh. So this came out of COVID. Remember, we just came out of COVID. Obviously, a lot of people got, you know, the economy was shut down. Most, many people, right, still had jobs. They were getting still money from the government. A lot of companies were getting the PPP. Companies were getting other, uh, you know, I guess funds of, you know, cash from the government to a point where the consumer had saved so much money there was $2.1 trillion, right? So I think that, in essence, has been the fuel to what mm -hmm. has happened both a little bit in 2022, but really it just, you know, it just came to fruition in 2023, in particular uh, with the travel industry. Mm -hmm. I think the travel industry did very, very well. Mm -hmm. So I think about, they say about, and this is from the Federal Reserve of, of uh, San Francisco has these numbers. $1.7 trillion has been kind of used from that $2.1 mm -hmm. So there's about $400 billion left. But they're saying if, if we continue on the same path, that $400 billion will have been used by the end of the first half of this year. Right. And then, you know, what is the consumer going to get? There is no more excess, mm -hmm. you know, savings that they have. Right. Now, we've also and we've talked about this um, a lot over the last few weeks and, and even before that. The other area that's exploded is credit card debt. I mean, we've surpassed the one trillion mark and the growth in that sector, credit card, non mortgage credit debt has grown by about 10 percent. Right. And if it continues that trend, that's an enormous amount of debt that's being created by the consumer, right? Um, and the difference is the government can create debt, but they're paying a, a lot lower interest rate than the consumers, the consumer. right? The consumer's yeah. paying, you know, credit card of 20 plus percent, personal loans of, you know, 10 to 15 percent. The only thing that was low back in you know 2022 was mortgage rates, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's certainly and, wasn't the case and, in 2023. And that's no longer the case. The only thing is those those people basically that refinanced, took out loans, are sitting pretty on the mortgage side. Mm -hmm. However, everything else, they're still spending. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's not like you can take out a mortgage for your personal expenses. You can't be, hey, can I get a mortgage for my gas bill? Instead, it doesn't work that IT. way. That's only, right. You can only do it once for the house you purchase. That's correct. That's correct, yeah. And, and who knows how many um, – listen, when you refinance, right – you can take out, let's say that you already have equity in the house. Let's say the house is a $300,000 home, right? And you had a mortgage, you had a balance of 200000 You could have easily taken two hundred fifty, right? Because saying, hey, I was paying 7 8% interest. At 3% interest, I can borrow two hundred fifty, mm -hmm. right? And, I, and my payment's more or less the same, was still same. lower. And I have $50,000. And what do I do? You spend it. Yeah, right? exactly. So all that was happening. So I think from the perspective of the economy, I think the consumer was a, a surprise to many people so, as to how, you know, how, how well they did. So do you think economists and investors like, underestimated just how much the consumer actually had saved leading into 2022, 2023? Because obviously the, the theory was, all right, we're seeing inflation at levels that we have not seen in ages, right? right? I mean, a dollar, by the end of, by the mid-2023, the dollar a dollar was worth like 24% less than it was in 2019. So, I mean, your purchasing power had dropped dramatically. So the expectation was, well, okay, if, you're if your real wages have declined, you can't buy as much stuff. So the issue was that there was an underestimation of just how much money the consumer was sitting on coming out of the pandemic when they weren't able to spend it and when they were getting a lot of stimulus and unemployment checks. And I think so. And I think, 
You know, 2022 was kind of one of those years where it, it just, you know, rates were going up. Uh, I think people didn't feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in 2023, you almost had a reversal of that. It's like, I'm done with not feeling good. You know, we went through yeah. COVID. We went through the year after COVID. And then 2022 was a terrible year. The Fed, everybody's talking about rate, raising Bonds rates. Bonds were down, stocks were down. Yeah, everything. So it's like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm just, I'm just going out and I'm spending my money. I'm having a good time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the travel industry, find the numbers did yeah. very, very well, right? So I think that's what happened. I think the, the consumer was just like, I'm, I want to mm-hmm. enjoy life again. And, and that's what they did. They spent and they won on a, on, a, on a bench of purchasing or traveling or whatever they did, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what happened. And I don't think anybody can predict that, right? I yeah. know it's not something that one can predict, but I think that's what happened. The other thing that I thought was interesting was with regard to interest rates, right? So interest rates uh, typically um, have a negative impact on corporate earnings, right? Uh, and because companies typically borrow from the marketplace, as interest go up, that means their interest payments increase, right? What I thought was really, really uh, kind of a highlight was they, they did an analysis on the S&P 500. And, and, and as you know, those are the top 500 companies in the, in the, in the U.S., right? So we're talking about really good companies. But the, the, the 50% smallest companies, right, are paying interest rates of about 6%. The next 40%, of the S&P 500, right, kind of the middle, are paying about 4.5%. The other 10%, the best companies, are paying interest about 3%. So what happened was that during 2022, there was an enormous amount of refinancing done by corporations, and they extended their bonds way out there to about 30 years. But these were done by companies that can come to the market anytime they want, and people are just dying to own their bonds, right? You know, the Costco's of the world, the J&J of the world. I mean, all the great companies, right? right. So their interest rates are, you know, 3 3.5%. They've locked in those rates for a 30-year period. They're doing extremely well because, as we know, with inflation, they're able to charge more money, right? They charge for their products. So now they're making more money, but their interest payments haven't gone up, mm-hmm. right? Almost like the mortgage, right? If you've got a 300% mortgage... That's locked in. If it's a fixed rate, it's locked in for 30 years. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. No matter what happens, you're locked into 3.5%. In the case of a corporation that can actually grow their business, they've done very well. It's the little companies that are being that challenged, struggle. right, that struggle. And if you look at the marketplace and you look at what did well, right, it's the big companies that had a great return last year, and the little companies are the ones that suffer. Now, granted, big companies, large companies, growth companies, they had a 40% return last year. Small caps had about a 20% or less. So it's right? not like they declined. Yeah, so it's not, not like they declined, but that's a huge differential. That's a like, you know, that's, that's 100% difference between 20% and 40%, right? So there's a big difference there. And so w- what I think we're seeing is that going forward, the interest rates are remaining high, right? They're still high for, for the refinancings for these companies because a lot of these companies, their debt is due in 2024 and 2025, right? A lot of small companies also do floating rates because of the fact that that was a lot cheaper back then when they needed to borrow. And floating rates just means that when the interest rates go up, their interest rate goes up. It's almost like if you had a mortgage where every time the... 
Well, some people do. Oh, exactly. Some people have adjustable rate mortgages. Exactly. It's a floating rate thing. Every right. time when as interest rates go up, your interest rate goes up. Exactly. So a lot of companies do the same thing with their debts. That's right. And, and they had done that because at, at one point rates were going down. So that looked great for them, right? But then on the reverse now, they're paying a lot more. So I think all that will begin to, once again, show up in 2024. You know, to what magnitude is hard to say. But I think we will and and. Like I said, and I think I mentioned this in the show in uh, in December. You know, I took a deep dive into a number of mutual funds that own different types of corporate debt. Mm-hmm. And if you take a deep dive, there were there were already a number of companies that were not paying off their debt anymore, right? So they were in default, mm-hmm. right? Granted, a mutual fund, you know, when you got a two billion dollar mutual fund, and you got you know three or four companies, and it's, it's you know three or four deal. million, it doesn't impact the mutual fund very much, but it's there, right? So mm-hmm. it's coming. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if this year that trend continues a little bit more, right? So, again, so, you know, higher interest rates were a, a good and bad thing. Good for large companies, not good for small companies. And the third thing that I want to mention was that, obviously, you know, our, our federal deficit continues to grow by leaps and bounds. So one of the fears coming into 2023 was, is the federal government going to crowd out, Right. Private the private, rates. you know, private mm-hmm. investors. Yeah, in other words, if the, there's a certain amount of, because there is, I mean, granted, the Federal Reserve, I mean, the Treasury, the, the country can create more money, right? right? But they don't necessarily want to just print money out of thin air all the time, right? So there is a certain amount of investment that you can do, and even in other countries that print money, like China and other sorts, you've, we've seen where if the government begins to invest too heavily or its deficit grows too large, it does begin to crowd out money that would be used for productive investment instead just flows to things that the government has its hand in. Exactly. And we've seen this even in places where you could say, well, it's not a limited pie. The government could just print more money. Even so, like it's not even in countries where the government can print more money, you do see that crowding out effect. And it's historically happened in the United States as well. I mean, it happened in the 70s, 60s, and 70s, where you had that kind of crowd. The government had gotten so large post-World War II that it crowded out a lot of private investment. And what happened? You had the malaise of the, of the 70s. So it's, it's entirely possible for that to happen, even if you could print more money. Exactly, exactly. And, and I mean, and, you know, the, the good news was that because there was so much issuance in 2022 by corporations, right, they didn't issue that much in 2023. So that wasn't, you know, that didn't impact the market as much. But on the other hand, the, the, the biggest um, thing that happened was that the Treasury decided to fund the deficit using Treasury bills. The majority of Treasury bills is supposed to loan bonds, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that was very helpful because then the Fed was able to use their reverse repo facility to basically buy that debt, right? Which, which they created that in order to ease when we had all the, you know, back in 2008, you know, and obviously during the, uh, during the uh, COVID situation. Um, but that facility is running out. So, I mean, you know, it, it was at about $2 trillion. I mean, we're down to like $600 million. So even that, sooner or later... One of two things is going to happen. I mean, the, the Fed's going to have to stop because they've reduced their balance sheet, right? Mm-hmm. But they're going to have to stop doing that if the, if the Treasury continues to issue more and more bonds. Um, and that's going to have an impact on, on everybody. So, so I think everything that was good in 2023 that, that really helped 2023 is coming in 2024 possibly to, to an extent. end because yeah. it just can't 
last forever. Yeah, in other words, you view twenty twenty three is not as a turnaround, but as sort of a prolonging of the situation until at some point you gotta face the music. That's right. One way or the other. Yeah. Right? In other words, at some point you can't keep having people's real wages decline and then expect them to keep spending indefinitely. Right. Yeah. And talk about real wages. So there was a, a chart here. <laughs> and we just give a couple shout outs so we got some people well, watching the show this morning. Uh, Camille Ababudlu, sorry, mispronounced that, uh, watching the show. Astri Lazar, Harper Arias, Joshua Joseph, Aslam Nuri, thanks for watching the show this morning. Lucrecia Morales, muchísimas gracias, uh, one of the great, fantastic owners of Sombreros right here in the, on the downtown mall. So and thanks then, for, and, for yeah. joining and us. And speaking morning. of which, was our first Te Emiliana guest. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Bernardo Two, y Lucrecia, three yeah. Three years ago, was yeah. three years ago now? Three, yeah, I think so, uh, yeah. Next week, I, I believe, will be our uh, third. Will that be the third anniversary? Are you sure, it won't be the week after. Of, or the week after. One of those two weeks will be the third One anniversary. The we'll, we'll make sure to mention it when it uh, actually comes up. We'll have to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to bring, on the consumer side, on, the, on how people reacted, I want to bring in Nick here for a little bit because you have been talking to us a little bit about the fact that in the holiday season, given that credit card debt was already at a trillion, we were seeing people's behavior. There was some research done on that people's behavior was changed in terms of how they were buying holiday gifts and so forth. They were using... Are you referencing the chart or the other thing? No, the buy now, pay later. The buy now. Okay, so if Judah, at long last, <laughs> we have the one chart I sent you. Um, do you have that available? It's on screen. It's, it's on, on screen. screen. Thank you, Judah. So if everyone can see, buy now, pay later. Um, it's, actually, I didn't bring the chart. <laughs> I'm going to have to read it. You'll just have to watch it on the screen. There we go. go. Xavier had it because I gave it to him. Um, And services, it's at its highest in a long time. Oh, it's been growing. It's been growing, but it's one of those things that has been, and, you know, just in a combination with everything else we've noticed is that a lot of consumers did not, um, because of inflation, they didn't diminish the amount that they were buying. They just paid the higher prices. And one of the, Things they turned to was buy now, pay later, which you've probably seen over like PayPal, Firm. Mm-hmm. Probably there's a lot of places where if you don't order something, it says you didn't pay you in can, full or do the buy now, pay later option. Which, yeah, and, and one of the things we were talking about before the show, we were having this whole conversation about buy now, pay later, was the fact that, of course, they, they claim they have you know, no interest uh, payments mm-hmm. as long as you pay and, and you know, it's a buy, buy weekly. But one of the things they don't mention, of course, is if you don't pay, so there's there. I know it's, we we did there's some several research. things that happen. Like so you don't pay, there's, there's one or two things. One is that for the PayPal, at least, if you do not pay, um, and if you're because they they automatically make you put in your credit card. Excuse me. Um, so they put they make you. I'm like Xavier. I'm always slapping the microphone. <laughs> so you have to pay. They have to attach your credit card so that you actually do pay. Now, if your credit card payment does not go through on PayPal, you just are not allowed to use that function again you were no longer allowed to buy now pay later effectively okay. like that or if you do it enough times it just they stopped you from allowing you from doing it which actually harkens back because i was doing some research this was something that everyone used in the 19th century so in the 1800s <laughs> buy now pay later was a thing you used to pay in small that you'd go to the grocery store you'd buy a certain yeah, amount and you'd pay store. in small amounts mm-hmm. and it was because, store credit like right store, store yeah, credit store because accounts. think about it, if you're a gardener and you needed a hoe and you couldn't afford it then well the the guy selling you the hoe knew that you were never going to pay and be able to buy it if you didn't have the hoe. So he'd lend you the hoe, and then you'd pay him what you had, and then little bits, and then et cetera, et cetera. Now, that went out of favor in you know, the 20th century and, well, and then the 21st century because you started getting credit cards and banks and other things. 
now we're going back to it because it's still at efficient. Something people would prefer to to pass on the payment well, it's, later. It's a, it's, split it's it a little up. different, though, right? I mean, and it's funny because I, I used to um, work at a little small grocery store in, in a, Queens, a deli right? Of a deli, yeah, a deli. Uh, wonderful Italian person there. Um, love him to death. Um, he gave me my first job as a yeah. delivery boy. But anyway, one thing I always remember, he had this book, and people would come buy things, you know, and mostly it was like, you know, senior citizens, and it's like, you know, I'll pay you next week, and he'd write it down, right? Of course, the risk is that they may never pay up. back, yeah. right? The difference here is that there is a credit card attached to this, right? So there's, there, it's not the same because mm-hmm. there's, there's not that much risk to the company. There's an auto, the, pay, the that's an auto, yeah. pay, an auto right? pay that's set up. But I thought what was, first of all, what's interesting here is that it says here that 104 million people are using this, right, mm-hmm. if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. And there's $143 billion of, of, of payment that, you know, of buy now, pay later that's being used. But what's, what's you know, what I and we discussed it. What I think is interesting here is that this doesn't change anything. Basically, this is saying I have an opportunity as opposed to pay everything. I buy a $100 something or another. I don't have to pay it all today. I can pay it over the next, whatever, four mm-hmm. weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. I don't know how the, exactly how these things work because I well, don't so use it. But most of them are either, either bi-weekly or the other one we were going to talk about was the monthly one, which does have an interest rate if you don't pay. Okay. That so the, the issue is that eventually – it hits your credit card. So mm-hmm. no matter how you look at it, in a way, it's, it's faking the, the consumer and saying, well, I don't want to use my credit card because it's full and I don't want to, right? Uh, and therefore, wow, this is great. I don't mm-hmm. have to pay anything. But sooner or later, it hits his credit card it no matter what happens, anyway. right? I think, it's, it's, Dan, it's the prolonging of the situation. In other words, we've reached the point that with credit card debt at a trillion, you probably have a lot of people in this country that already are now carrying balances. And, oh, Arch balances. In other words... You no longer are paying off your credit card before the end of the month. You're now carrying a balance, which is getting hit with interest, pay, interest rate, right? So the issue is there's the consumer city that's saying, well, anything I can do to keep this off my credit card statement for another month or two or three, right, I'm going to do. So in other yeah. words, if, if it takes – if I can do this in four biweekly payments – that means the last two payments won't be on this month's credit card statement. They'll be on the next one. That means I, it won't hit my credit card till next month, in which case I'll then have another month to pay it off right. before that amount starts accruing interest. And if it's a monthly one, well, that's – if it's four monthly installments, well, that's four months before the last amount hits my credit card. And then I have a month after that to pay it off. So I think what we're seeing is, all right, people – had excess savings from the from the pandemic. They used them in 2020. They started using them in 2022, 2023 as prices increased, right? Right, in particular. Then yeah. they ran out of excess savings. We saw a lot of people pulling from 401ks. That's right. Right? I mean, not personally, but like you could see in the national numbers, right? 401k balance is declining even as the stock market went up, right? So people pulling money out of their 401ks so they begin to tap their savings. At some point, you're like, ah, I can't do that because I'm getting hit with a 10% penalty and a tax rate. So sometimes it's, if you add those up and it's over 22%, you're worse off than if you use the credit card, it, yeah. right? You then see the credit card debt increasing. So now you're at the last lead where you're saying, I, I don't have the savings, I don't want to pull any more out of my 401k. My credit card now has a balance that is increasing every month. I'm going to do anything I can to still consume while pushing that payment out to the future. Yeah. And I think that's 
that's what we're seeing in the end. Like you said, the problem is that's a prolonging of the situation. That's not a reversal of fortune. That's not, okay, my real wages are now up again, and I'm making more money than I'm spending, so I can begin to pay down my debt. No, that's not what's happening. It's I'm still not making enough to, to feed my expenses. I'm just pushing this into the future. And that at some point, yes, things which cannot continue forever can still continue for a long time, but they cannot continue forever. And, and so that brings me back. So I had this chart here, right? Um, because one of the things, you know, one of the things we have to remember is that, you know, the, the inflation numbers that we had over the last two years, right, which averages about, for a two-year period, about 13 to 15%, and depending on what we're looking at also, right, um, those are huge numbers, right? So, so basically that means that in order to break even, your salary or your hourly wages have to go up by that much just to break even, Which right? they're not even close. So the averagely hourly earnings growth in the U.S., right, is now at about 4%, right? And it's dropped from about 8%, and that 8% was about, the height was in the end of 2019, right? And it had gone up from, from I guess, from, from 2016 to 2018, because you know, it really started to go up in around 2017 or so, and it went all the way up to 8%, right? And now it's, it's been going, dropping down, dropping down, and it's now 4%. So your hourly earnings are at 4%. They went at 4% per, you know, on, on average. And inflation is 13%. So, of course, you are using more of your savings. You're using more credit mm-hmm. card debt. You're pulling out your 401K. You're doing whatever you can in order to you know, consume and, and, in some cases, probably survive, right? Yeah. So those well, are the challenges. That's like that chart that we used in our quarterly from Fred, which is the St. Louis, yeah, um, St. Louis yeah. Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve but it's listed as Fred, which we always we thought it was funny. He's our but secret source. He's our Fred. secret source. So Fred says that real medium household income actually has is is has been declining since you know the basically the end of. 2019 has been yeah. going down and trending downwards and and that was reversed from a so if you look at the chart it started so it started going up a little bit a little, around like 2010 and so but it really started taking off around 2015 2016 and it's now trending downwards which obviously is not what you want to see because the whenever so just as a quick aside for people know real whenever there's you see the word real in front of something what that means is that it's adjusted for inflation right so what we're seeing is that the impact of inflation is making everyone's household income like start to like yeah all these numbers have been Mm -hmm. going up up and up what means the increase in your salary is not compensating for the increase in in the the prices of goods yeah. yeah yeah so your real wages have declined yeah the amount of money you're bringing to your home may have gone up in terms of numbers but not in terms of the amount that you have to mm-hmm. pay out yeah. for other things yeah and, and i think that you know those are so so i think you know those are obviously the the challenges for 2024 is what's going to happen now i mean listen i think inflation is not going to be at the seven eight percent we've had before right no. i think that that i think we all look at it and say that's just not mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't really forecast. I can, I can't forecast that, right? Can I forecast higher inflation that the Fed really wants, which is two percent? Absolutely. I don't Probably. think, I don't think we're going below two percent inflation uh, unless we have a recession and nobody's. I mean, what was, what were we last at? Three point something? Yeah, 3.8, exactly. 3.9? So, so I think, I think we're going to be ranging about three percent for some time, right? Um, and and two, I, I guess it's a balance too. I think the consumer is going to get a little tired here, all right? Mm-hmm. So if the consumer gets a little tired and the economy begins to slow down, then, of course, inflation might come down a little bit because 
people stop buying and therefore prices begin to hopefully come down a little bit, right? Um, so, so I think we're in, we're in an environment where I think inflation is going to be a little higher than it was in the past. The economy is going to slow down a little bit more. Um, and, you know, we have to figure out, you know, when is our government going to stop, you know, spending so much money? Because it's just, it really cramps, it takes investments out of everybody else's pocket, right? And I think that's a challenge. So, mm -hmm. so I think that's for 2024. Those are the things that you have to kind of look at and say, how do I then position portfolios mm -hmm. in order to make sure that, you know, no matter what happens, we have a mm -hmm. positive impact on, on people's, mm -hmm. you know, earnings and life. But now the markets obviously are looking at that and being strangely, not strange, I mean, when you go deep into it, you should say strangely positive in the sense of, you know, given everything we've just talked about, why were the markets so responding so positively in December, right? Well, because they're looking at this, these same numbers and saying, this equals rate cuts. Yeah. This equals lower interest rates. What, what are you trying to see in there? Because I, I don't think we're quite as, like, quite as um, uh, dramatic in how many rate cuts we think is going to happen as, the, as some of the markets. So I, I would say given what happened in December, I think most people at this point were expecting the Fed to cut the rates six to seven times. And, and you read some articles and that's what people are saying. I think mm -hmm. the Fed's going to cut six to seven times. Um, Unless something dramatically happens in here, I don't think that's the case. Um, and I think part of the, you know, part of the markets haven't done so well between the middle of November to the end of December was this euphoria where, mm -hmm. like you said, you know, if the Fed cuts six or seven times, you know, we're dropping one and a half to two percent mm -hmm. in interest rates. I mean, that's a that's a nice drop in interest rates, right? First of all, the long end of the market already gave us that. I mean, we went from you know, a 5% 30 year mm -hmm. to a 4% 30 year, basically, right? So we already had 100 basis points. So all the drop. Fed would be doing would be like, in other words, the yield curve is inverted. All they would be doing is flattening the Trying yield to flatten, curve. yeah. Because the Fed's done nothing. I mean, short term rates are still at, you know, 5 to 5.5%. Five the long rate came from 5 all the way down to 4, the 10 years below 4%. Mm -hmm. So, of course, mortgage, that has helped mortgage rates, right? But that doesn't, have the bank, that doesn't help the banks at all. So I think the Fed's sitting there saying, we have to do something. For the banking industry, we can't we can't have a negative mm -hmm. yield, uh, in, inverted yield curve forever. Yeah. So I well, think what people don't realize is that when, remember when the bank borrows from the Federal Reserve, the bank is borrowing short, meaning the bank is borrowing at that five five and a half percent rate short term right. from the Federal Reserve. It doesn't, and then it, what the bank turns around and the way the bank makes money is to lend long-term. In other words, they just think about mortgages, right? A mortgage is a 30-year thing. So imagine the Federal Reserve, they made money because they borrow six-month stuff, three months, six months, and then they lend 30-year. And normally what happens is your cost to borrow for six months is 2%, and your, what you make lending for 30 years is six. Well, now it's reversed. You're borrowing at five and a half, and you're lending at, at six, four, at six <laughs> right? So you imagine like you're yeah. squeezed. You have almost yeah, no profit. And if you were to lend it less than six, if you were to lend it four, you're, you're sitting there saying, I'm losing money well, on you, every... You wouldn't, you wouldn't lend you wouldn't it four, do right? It. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't lend. do it. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't do, do it. it. But the bank has also expenses, so they have to pay. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's employees, et cetera. I mean, they, they just... There's overhead costs. Does so pay. They, they, there, has to be a, you know, there has to be a gap there, because if there isn't, there's no bank. There's no bank. So you know? this okay. is like, so anytime the yield curve is inverted, the banks exactly. struggle. So, so I think the Federal Reserve sees that. So four rate cuts will get you back down to about 4%, right? So it has a flat curve, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I don't know. I, I get, my, my point is, and, and I think, listen, uh, we already see the markets haven't looked good in the last first two days. So mm -hmm. I think the euphoria that we had at the end of you know, November and December, I think is, is waning a little bit in the sense that you know, uh, things are as good as they appeared to be back then. Mm -hmm. you know, that was great news. It looked like, hey, the Fed's going to start you know, lowering interest rates. But that doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be terrific, right? So I think the market's taking a step back here and saying, wait a minute, let's see what's going on. So, um, so I, I mean, I, I think four rate cuts are definitely in the books because I think for the banking industry, that has to happen. I think they only cut more if things get really, really bad, you know. But I think we would all agree that what the Fed did didn't necessarily ease the inflation numbers because I don't think inflation had anything to do with interest rates. So I think they're going to be sitting there saying, you know, do we, raise, do we lower rates and then inflation picks up again because we are now lowering so mm -hmm. much that people right. say, oh, let's go ahead and stop borrowing in short and start spending, and boom, you get another inflationary cycle. I don't think they want that either. So, no. so they're, they're in a tough position. So do you see them postponing that decision, like if they're going to lower rates, not doing it immediately, waiting to do it? No, I think it's possible, I, I, or do you think yeah, they're going to start doing? When, it right when would you foresee the earliest one happening? I, I think the next. I, I think the next one's coming soon. Yeah, mm -hmm. I really do. Like I said, I just. And think, then are, but do you, okay? So after that one, you see them having. I think they're like think just they're like they're, 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 they're going to do. No, I think they're going to do a routine like quarter, four in a row, quarter, yeah, quarter and then, of points, and yeah. then say we're going to pause, yeah, and then and then see what happens, yeah. I just like I said, I just I think short term rates being as high as they are is more damaging to too many people, too many companies. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, it's exactly common. like you said. The challenge is the Fed, the Fed is sitting there having raised rates. How many times they raised it? I mean, eight, nine times. They, they raised it a, a huge number of times, right? And they're sitting there saying that inflation not only is still at three point something, but the month to month on, in, in December's number, not December's, but it's like the one we got in December for November, was positive. In other words, it, was, it went up month to month. Yeah. So they're sitting there saying the impact has not been what they, as dramatic as they wanted. So the issue is, they're sitting there saying, well, what happens if we go the other direction? Does it, does it have no impact again because it didn't have an impact the first time? Or do we now see inflation tick up again because the, the root cause, which is too much money chasing too few goods, has really not been dealt with? The, the too much money part on the fiscal side in terms of government spending hasn't changed exactly. one iota. It's still there. It's not like the government's spending less money. Right and the too few goods. It's not as though we've had this massive influx in production in this country. So the underlying cause has not changed. The Federal Reserve may have been able to put a lid on it, but with by raising interest rates. But what happens if they get rid of the lid? Does it blow up again, or did they did the pot stop to simmer and so it, it's fine now? Is that a question or is that common? No, I didn't. No, it's like, a rhetorical question. I, I wasn't was sure you. I think it's the question. question. I think it's the question that we don't know the answer to. No, exactly. Right, yeah, that's which is yeah. It's, it's the question I think that the Fed is grappling with, without any doubt. Yeah, without any doubt. Yeah, I mean, and that's listen. This is this is what the markets are all about. I mean, mm -hmm. decisions are being made by not just the Fed but lots of people as to you know, like I said last year, the consumer I think was. Just nobody expected it, right? Yeah. So it was. It, they came out of nowhere. They spend, and and everybody was happy, right? I mean, everything looked good. Um, the question is: Is the consumer going to continue to borrow to spend, or are they going to get to a point where they say, "I, I can no I can't longer do, do that, that anymore"? You know, I, I, I've had my fun. I bought everything I want to do. I'm taking. I'm, I'm taking off this year. You know. Yeah. 
So if that happens, then of course the, the economy is going to slow down. There's no doubt about it. You know? Well, I don't know. To bring up another chart that I didn't send to Judah and that nobody else has. Um, <laughs> oh, a secret chart. <laughs> well, it's in the update. A secret you, chart. You read it. It's in the... Uh, <laughs> No, I don't have time to, to, it's in a Word document, so I, by the time I figure out that magic, um, but basically the, the thing is, America's top New Year's resolution for 2024 is actually to save more money, mm. 59%, it's the first time I've seen it over, to lose exercise and eat healthy are the next two. Is exercise um, usually like number one? Usually, I don't know, right? because they've split one it up to exercise more, eat healthy, then to spend time with family and friends, and then the next one after that is to lose weight. So I don't know why you'd eat healthy or exercise if not to lose weight. That doesn't seem... Yeah, they all I, but seem the same. Anyway, yeah. they all seem like the same thing. It can only be one. But, um, but the first one is to save more money, 59%, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. However, on the flip side, only 9% of people follow through their New Year's resolutions <laughs> through the end of the year. <laughs> past, wait, past the first month. So... So they save money the first month, then after that, it's downhill from there. So stop. January, we may see checking accounts go up. And well, we're already that. seeing, remember, we already saw that uh, I think like 40% of people whose student loans resumed repayment yeah. in October had not, were already delinquent. In other words, they wow. already had failed to make the first two payments. This was in December, so there had only been two required payments that had already failed to make the two payments. So you already got people who had another debt payment added to them say I can't afford to either they said I can't afford to make this payment or they say they still think they're going to get bailed out of it so that why am I going to pay because at some point I'll get bailed out but one way or the other they're not making those payments so the question is is that that could be the precursor to saying well I can't make this payment so I can't make this credit card payment either and then you really well, start to... one of the things we always talk about, too, when it merged was, so if you're not in that situation where you don't have a ton of debt and then you're not struggling to pay it off, but one of the things we always talk about is con- behavior as people is that if you have money, you will spend it. If it's in your checking account, you will use it mm-hmm. because you see it as available. And so you don't realize how much you have extra that you could actually put away and find a way to do with less. So one of the things we always say is it's better to put the money into an account like a Roth or an IRA earlier and do it. Or, or Roth. Come up, it works for the Roth. It works for the Roth. It back out. It works for the Roth, but you could also come up with a plan of even if just like, hey, I'm going to start with $50 a month and I'm going to, and I'm going to have it automatically because one re- of the things with our clients is that they can just email Alex, I want this done routinely. Yeah. And go it can, to have it go to a done. savings account, a brokerage, something. Something like that where it's like, okay, I'm going to try to do with less so that if I need more, I can t- like you mm-hmm. can easily tap into it but to try to see if like part of what it is is that to to reduce the effect of your own behavior like it's almost like having a new habit you're changing your habits where if you have just the $50 less per month you will actually not need it because you will find a way to do well with what you have because we've had cases where clients have not even they, they were confused because they thought that the money had been pulled because it was so easy to do and you don't realize that. Well, how, I think, how I think, powerful the, I, that I think is. the the key um, is you know when you run a financial plan, right? You look at everybody's expenses, you look at you know on their income, you look at their savings, and the goal is okay. When can I retire? Can I retire at this particular age? You know, can I retire at sixty-two? Can I retire at sixty-five? Can I retire at seventy? People have different desires, right? And if I do, will my ma- will my money last till I'm in the nineties? Right? That's Correct. one of the things that we always try to say is like it should last in today's world into the nineties. What happens often is that 
we run the numbers, and it's like, yeah, this is great, right? What we have to highlight to everybody is that the numbers, your income is extremely good. Your expenses, you know, you're telling me your, your expenses, everything, you can live within those expenses and you still have enjoy life, right? The problem is that the, the, the residual, in other words, if, if your income is greater than your expenses and there's left over, the, the assumption is that that goes into a bucket that grows. In other words, it goes into investments that grows, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part to get people to do because it's like, it's like, like Nick says. Sometimes it's like, oh, we got another $100 in our checking account. Let's use it. Well, no, that $100 was supposed to go into savings because mm-hmm. that's your future savings. Yes. So otherwise, if you use it and you don't invest it, it changes then, your the next year, then, then all of a sudden, the next year, it's like we come and it's like, well, your, your numbers don't look as good as they did last year because you never put that money away, right? Mm-hmm. So we try very much to educate and say, you know, you have to, if you follow the plan, you have to do the following and you have yeah. to make sure you, you, whether you put it in the savings or you put it in an account that we can invest, whatever it is, you have to make sure you do that because that's how it grows. And that's how you have to take a look at it and say, can I truly live with the expenses or did I make a mistake in my expense column, right? And then we can rerun it, but that's important. But one of the things I also like to illustrate that point further, we've, so there's ways of running the plan where excess savings are saved and excess, sorry, excess money is saved and somewhere they're all spent. Mm-hmm. The difference between them is routinely 20%. So that means that you are 20% more likely to achieve your financial goals, which means for mm-hmm. most financial plans of being able to, for your finances to last you until the age of 90 if you save what the difference the between excess, yeah. the excess between what you, right. your expenses are and what you make. Mm-hmm. If you don't, that you're 20% less likely to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's a huge, amazing. That's, that's, amazing. that's a huge, yeah. 20% yeah. is a lot for, because you're talking about a confidence rate of like just between one and hundred percent. That's how it works. You, that's different between like, Hey, if you're, if you're in a good position, you're somewhere between 80, and 90% likely for it to happen. I mean, if I told you, you had a 60% shot that you're not going to make, your findings aren't going to make until you're 90 years old, you're, you're, you might panicking. worry a little. Yeah, that's, not, the, that's not as good as, now if I told you 80%, yeah. you'd feel a lot better. Yeah. It's, it's education. Mm-hmm. I think and that's the beauty about running financial plans is because mm-hmm. it really helps educate people as to yeah. here's your behavior. You right? visualize and, you're, it. and your behavior is saying that you can do this and you can accomplish this. However, you have to remember that this is what you've told us and the result is that you are now going to be able to save the following. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's the follow-up and making sure that people do what they have to do because it's, it's important, you know. Because you know, it's, it's, you know, it's easy to say, well, it's with this $1,000 in my checking <laughs> yes. account. Yeah, let's go buy a new bicycle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you <laughs> calling out Keith Smith on the show? No, <laughs> no. Right no, no. Because he loves bicycles. <laughs> okay. okay, wine. Why? Well, that's where's us. The, where's yeah. that 10 bottles of wine that I really always <laughs> wanted, $100 each? Well, that's what happens to you. Like, I got a little more of this. Maybe I'll buy a $20 wine. Well, because the other thing is that people's habits aren't changed. You normally, what we would see in the old days, of course, is with today's, and I, I find it interesting because I'm kind of curious about how lifestyles are affecting these numbers because normally what would happen is when prices go up or things get bad people start eating carbs because they're you know they're cheaper so like people will buy bread more they'll buy milk more I eat them because do. i like but right but the problem is with today's lifestyle stuff with people trying to stay healthy if you are on a cause obviously people on a carb diet it's not a big deal but they also eat vegetables which are more expensive regularly than meat right. and other stuff but if meat is also going so like where does that happen i mean mm-hmm. that's why if you look the 
poor people's food was always starches. If you go to like Italy, yeah. the history of Italy is all about pastas because pasta was cheap. Well, in a it was the economy, cheapest thing. There is no. In other words, in a cash economy, your lifestyle directly correlates to your income. In other words, exactly. you, if you make 100 bucks less or everything's 100 bucks better, you have no choice but to buy 100 bucks less worth of food, right? You can't so – you buy things you, that There's no like, well, I'll just buy it but put it on my credit card. In other words, you, you literally can't maintain the same level of consumption if your income goes down in a cash economy. Exactly. Once you have a credit card or buy now, pay later stuff, you can maintain the same level of consumption even if your income, like, in other words, it's theoretically possible to have expenses higher than income for a certain number of months in a credit card economy. Yeah. Right? In a cash economy, if you don't have any savings, it's literally impossible to have expenses higher than income. You exactly. have to change expenses because you run out of cash and you can't yeah. buy anything. Yeah. So it's just we live in a different world than that. And uh, just as a, another statistic that we had found, we were talking about before the show, consumer, because last time on our previous show we did business bankruptcies we covered, which was up huge. Consumer bankruptcies are uh, 11%. We're up Higher. 11% last year and expected to be larger according to the articles we were reading this year. So there's, well, there's, that's, that's the point on, on the small companies. Right? Yeah. It's the small mm-hmm. companies that are really getting hurt here with interest rates having risen yeah. so, so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, there's definitely some challenges. Good news all around. <laughs> ahead, but obviously, yeah. like you always said, there's always headwinds and yeah. tailwinds, right? The market is seeing the tailwind of, okay, Fed might decrease interest rates, but then is looking at the headwinds of, okay, there, there are definitely some Listen, some I mean, I mean you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's – all negative. I mean, the, first of all, the markets do what they do, right? I mean, the economy could be lousy and the markets could be going up. Exactly. The good news, though, is that, let's be honest, I mean, fixed income rates are much higher than they've been in centuries. I mean, centuries in, in, in years. It feels like years. centuries. Um, but, and so that's good because from a cash flow perspective, and in the, over the last, let's say, eight years, right, if you were nervous about equities, right, and you, you say, let, to can, I, I'm going to put that money into money market and you're earning zero, that's yeah. a no-win solution, yeah. right? So it's like it was very difficult. Now you can definitely say I can put it into something that's going to earn 5 mm-hmm. to 6% and be yeah. very safe oh, so this is and wait the for the opportunity. Time. It's basically the first time in the last decade yeah. that you can get 5 to 6% without going into stocks. Yeah, exactly. Basically. So, I mean, so if you're unsure or you're nervous, you can park some money into something that is still earning you, you know, 5 to 6%. And allow it to be there until the opportunity comes up and you say, wow, this sector's looking really good, you know, and, and let's go ahead and invest in it, right? As opposed to when you're earning zero, it makes the, those decisions much more difficult. So well, and that's part of the thing, From a right? cash flow perspective, you know, things are much better now than they were last year and the year before that. Yeah. Well, the key is not – is always the same thing. It's like Alex is talking about Mr. Potter where he's, he's, not, he's not selling, he's buying. You always, you always ask yourself how it, – it's not – it's not okay. Oh, things are bad. It's how do I make money from this? How do I, how do I do better given the situation? Because we're all dealt the same. It's all that the hands are all there. The cards are all there. Every it's like the this, the song the gambler. Every hand's a winning hand. Yeah. Every, every hand's a winner. Every hand's and, a losing and hand. every hand's a losing hand. It's not about the cards. It's how you play it. It's yeah. the whole point is that things may be bad, Good but point. there are always opportunities. You just have to be instead of being ah oh, man things stink. Time to uh, put my head in the sand. Do instead of doing the the miser. From mm-hmm. the old biblical tale where you just bury the gold, you find a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a bit of a good conversation, guys. It has, I really, yeah. really appreciate yeah. it. 
that love having this is why we love having Nick on. Well, I was going to end with those bring sharks. Some sharks. quote came to the it, to my mind in the middle of the conversation, which I love, and so I thought I'd share it because I know was, I'm always that guy that shares quotes, and I know that a lot of wise people always said that like beware of the guy that always shares quotes because he doesn't know anything himself. Well, we are we are wary of, <laughs> we, we are like, wary of Nick. So yeah, so sense. I'm like this is which is true. I don't know anything, so I always quote famous people. But Soren Kierkegaard once said, "Life cannot it can only be understood backwards." but must be lived forwards. That is so true. So, so it was like, That's okay, we can understand what happened before, but going one forward. One of Kierkegaard, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Very nice. When Explain, I was growing up. So explains a lot about you. See, every, every, <laughs> once, <laughs> exactly. every once in a while, Nick just says something. Other than that, it just I know, I know, sounds yeah. funny I know, when I know. Yeah, the rest that of want to go into. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> every once in a while, something profound. Well, it's because I love quotes, because I realize that other people are smarter. But that's a good one, too. That's that good is one. true. That's exactly, yeah, how, that's exactly in my opinion, how you should live life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Rene, Rene Descartes once like said it. that he loves reading people from the old days because it's like having a conversation with someone smarter than him. <laughs> so like when you read Rene Descartes, it's like having a conversation with somebody that likes to have a conversation with somebody that was smarter than you. I liked it. I liked it. It's always today we do a finance topic and uh, the Mr. Potter quote gets brought up. I'm just glad it wasn't me. This way people don't uh, don't get tired of it. Alex, always brings up the Mr. Potter. But the Mr. Potter. But the whole point is it's it's applicable. It's always applicable. It's always applicable. You can always find a way. There's always a way forward. Exactly. Exactly. A couple more shout outs. Just uh, thank people watching the show. Beth Mark, thanks for watching the show. Bonnie Heaney, thanks for watching the show. Elizabeth Irby, the other Elizabeth Irby, watching the show this morning. So we uh, we appreciate everyone who tunes in. And, and joins us this morning. And uh, next week, I think we got some uh, some great guests coming on. I think we got Miranda's, looks like, and Christina Ball from Speaking Language Center. So we got some some good okay. people joining us uh, next, next week. We'll get yeah. right back into the to the swing of things. And into some, the guests. Yeah. Into the guests. Lighter just topic. Highlighting. Yeah. Well, just highlighting all the yeah. great stuff that Absolutely. continues to happen in, uh, in Charlottesville. In Charlottesville. If, so. if we find an interesting chart, there may be a chart. If there's no charts, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds Judah perfect. will know first because he won't get a chart in the email, and then everyone else will know afterwards because no chart will pop up. Exactly, exactly. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you guys for, for being on this morning. Thanks, been, Nate. Been Thanks, Xavier, as always. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Emergent Financial Services, for presenting. Thanks to our great sponsors, Matias Ion Realty, Credit Serious Insurance, Tasso Hillsider, Forward Adelante. Thank you all for watching us this morning. We look forward to seeing you all next week. But until that time, we wish you a happy new year, a continued Merry Christmas, and we say hasta mañana.